Well, digital world, there you go. How does that sound? Welcome back to Spliced In Later. We are celebrating our 50th episode. And because it's been 50 episodes, it's time for a revamp, a revitalization of the podcast, of the YouTube channel, of all avenues. Nothing too huge. It's only 50. It's not 100. But it is something worth being pleased about. Because when I started doing this podcast many moons ago, well before there ever was a pandemic, I never thought that I would stick to it in such a way that I could get to 50 episodes. And I didn't think I would have enough listeners that I would feel good about pursuing on and getting to 50 episodes. So first off, I want to say a huge thank you to everybody who is listening, whether you've just clicked on this episode randomly, willy-nilly, to hear what I have to say, or if you have been sitting through the last 49 episodes dealing with my attempts to become better technically, which have made very little progress in the years to come, through my bizarre opinions, my excessive countdowns, my need to talk about the same superhero movies over and over again, The feedback I've been getting has been great. The positivity has been great. Overall, it's just a great experience doing this little Spliced In Later. And as we hit 50 episodes, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for thank you. Good times. As I said, it's a revamp. It's nothing too huge. If you're clicking on me through Spotify, you will have noticed a new logo that is up there in the corner. If you're watching the YouTube vid, the video will have opened with a new logo. I hope, fingers crossed, that I can make that work. It's a new design. I would like to give a shout out to my friend Adam, who has designed this logo for me. uh, Purely because I asked him to, and he went, okay. Very good back and forth between us there, so that was great. It's a very funky design. He sent me a few different designs, but this is my favorite. I think it's very... Groovy 80s neon lighting, little little artistic scratching of the background. And it's got some, not all, of the DVDs that I own just in the background there. So it's got a lot in there. It really, in one picture, summarizes a lot of my attitude, my suaveness, and my obsessive love of DVDs. So thank you again, Adam, for designing that one for me. I said I would use it when we got to 50 episodes. Here it is. And you will have noticed there was new theme music at the start there. That one, again, was just created through an app on my phone, much like the last one was. It has the essence of the theme in there, the same piano motif. You will notice I don't know music, so I don't know if motif was the correct word. But the piano sound is still in there. I've just amped a bit of the techno sounds that are before and after to give it a bit more edge. I've thrown in some drum cymbal stuff in there. I don't know, I think it sounds pretty good. When we get to 100 episodes, I'm sure I'll try a different tune. But for now, to keep everybody interested, to show that there is progression going forward and whatever, new music, new logo. 50 episodes. And for our 50th episode today, we are doing something a little bit different, a little bit special. Something that I know one particular listener has been waiting for me to do something in this regard for quite some time. And I do apologize, it has taken me this long to get to it. But once I knew I needed to do it, and not that I needed to do it, but that it should be done, I thought I'll wait till I get to 50 episodes to do it. A little background on the story here. I have an avid lister who has pointed out to me, and it's quite noticeable once you go back and look, that for all my talk of all the variety of movies and TV shows, all the different actors and directors and my top tens and everything, apart from a reference to Greta Gerwig 
directing Little Women during the Oscars discussion this year, I haven't really focused too much on women in film and TV, indeed movies starring women. I haven't done a special episode dedicated to an actor unlike I have with Eddie Murphy and Jackie Chan. So in the future, that will definitely be changed. There will be an attempt to have a lot more diversity on here, hopefully. We'll do what we can. I'm sure we'll find some good stuff. But rather than just go, all right, cool, I'll just pick one particular person and and we'll talk about that. For 50 episodes, requires a variety. So what I've done is I've gone through the archives, my DVD archives, or just the movie archives in general, and I found five movies. Five movies that either star a woman as the main character or indeed is directed by a woman. And I just want to showcase that these movies are out there, that they exist, that they are very good. And for all the people out there that aren't aware, maybe, that they can give these a try. There is a lot of discussion that there is not enough representation of women in cinema. That's not so much the case these days. There's plenty of representation. It's more the recognition that is still a problem, which I've discussed in my Academy Award discussions with the nominations and things. You really do see the balance between male and female nominations is not great. But in terms of today, in 2020, there is quite a lot out there with women in starring roles, women behind the camera, production-wise, everything like that. And it's good to know that a lot of your movies are involving these people. There may be people out there who think, I I don't really think about looking at movies with women in the title role because I just haven't thought about it too much. Well, when I give you these movies, you'll go, oh yeah, okay, of course, yeah, perfect. And it's also nice. It's nice to just pinpoint where there has been great movies and the fact that women are involved is not anything to say that men are better than women or women are better than men, nothing like that. But it is about time that I said, here are some good movies and a lot of what makes them good is the main actor being a woman, the director being a woman, That's just a a great side point to what is already a good movie. All right, let's stop falling over my own feet here and let's jump right into it. Now, the first movie we're going to talk about is a superhero movie. My jam, as you all know, most of my top tens end with a superhero movie at the top. Whether it's a better movie than all the other movies beforehand is totally irrelevant to my biased opinion in that I love a good superhero movie. I don't love them all blindly. There are superhero movies that have been disappointing to me. But in most cases, superhero movies, fantastic. Love them. In this regard, though, as much as I love the Marvel movies, and I love Avengers, and Logan, and all those other things, I will say the representation of women as superheroes on the Marvel side of things is minuscule at best. Apart from Captain Marvel which came out only last year, there have not been many movies starring women as the main character in a superhero movie on Marvel's side. I think the only other one that's jumping to mind at the moment is Elektra in 2005, starring Jennifer Garner. And I must say, it, uh, it's not very good. But that's not a reflection on the superhero itself. It's just a reflection on just a bad spin-off to an already bad superhero movie in general. So we'll move past that. However, on the DC side of things, DC Comics, while DC Comics gets a lot more flack, seems to have more misses than hits when it comes to their superhero movies, their first genuine hit 
in the DC Extended Universe, it's officially called, which is when they started trying to bring together all their movies in the same way that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has. Their first proper hit in that regard in 2017 was Wonder Woman, starring Gal Gadot. Wonder Woman is a very great superhero movie. It is a very great action-adventure story. It's a great story of empowerment. It's a great story of a stranger in a strange land. There's so much going on in this Wonder Woman movie. Now, when Wonder Woman was first announced in 2016-15, being played by Gal Gadot, very annoyingly, a lot of people looked at Gal Gadot and went, oh, that's the actress from the Fast and Furious movies. Okay, cool. Because of that, she's not going to be good. We don't like her performance in the Fast and the Furious or her performance is only good enough to be in the Fast and Furious movies. She's not going to be a good Wonder Woman. We immediately don't like it. Just going to hate it. But then 2016, Batman v Superman comes out. It's a genuine lack of excitement for it. There were a lot of issues going in that movie, which I'm not going to delve into right now, but there were some consensuses about what was good. And one of them was that Gal Gadot was very good as Wonder Woman. In the few scenes that she was in, she was intriguing, she was exciting, she was kick-ass in the role of Wonder Woman and both as Diana Prince, which is Wonder Woman's alter ego, which provided more excitement for when the Wonder Woman solo movie rolled around. And it is just an incredible superhero movie. It's one of my favorite superhero movies of all. And most of it is because of Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. She absolutely crushes it. She, well, when she's Wonder Woman and she throws down and kicking ass, it's just great to watch. She's up there with Thor and Captain America and the way she just sweeps through enemies and just knocks them to the ground. There's a great scene in Wonder Woman where she essentially embraces her superhero side for the very first time, which is in the trenches. This is a history movie as well, so it's during World War One. She steps out of the trenches to stop the fighting, essentially put an end to the fighting between men and just obliterates the enemy, just flies through. She's walking along, knocking the bullets with her magic bracelets. I don't know too much about how Wonder Woman's powers work, but she does have magic bracelets, which can knock bullets aside at ease. It is a very structured, very good story of how she begins. Her origin stories on Themyscira, where she's destined to save the world, essentially, to unite the people. Because on Themyscira, the Amazons are cut off from man, from the rest of the world, because men suck and they don't trust them. Uh, Hopefully one day, though, they will find that common ground. And it's when Chris Pine's Steve Trevor accidentally lands on the island, tells her about what's going on in the world with World War I and the supervillains that are trying to, to destroy the world with their poison and being manipulated by the evil god Ares that Wonder Woman decides she cannot sit on the sidelines anymore. She's going to go and help. And through her help, she very nearly single-handedly ends the First World War. Now, I love Wonder Woman. She immediately shows that this is a character who is not supposed to be a sidekick to Batman and Superman. She's got her own story, her own life, her own superpowers, her own goals and attributions that she needs to pursue. And Gal Gadot has really made that role her own. Looking back on Wonder Woman, people like to play the games where, you know, if you could cast somebody else as Wonder Woman, who would you cast? And it's kind of hard. It's hard for me to think of somebody else as Gal Gadot. And that's because she has put so much into the role. She's made Wonder Woman her own, essentially. 
if I watch any, I watch a lot of animated movies for the DC characters and the Wonder Woman is always voiced by different actresses depending on who they got for the story essentially. But none of them sound right to me anymore because I'm always listening for Gal Gadot's voice, which is impressive and a true tribute to Gal Gadot's performance. On the other side here as well, Wonder Woman is also directed by Patty Jenkins. She really put her own idea, her own view on the Wonder Woman story. And a fun fact being is that she was supposed to direct Thor The Dark World, but she left the MCU because of all one floor of the MCU is their constant need to build towards later movies. And a lot of what was going on in Thor The Dark World is we've got to we've got to make this second Thor film obligatory. It needs to be done because Thor has to have three films. But the movie is essentially just a stepping stone to the next big Avengers thing. So it doesn't matter what happens in it. It doesn't really care about a view or a, a style or a plot or anything. It's just get Thor from point A to point B and get Loki from point A to point B. And Patty Jenkins went, okay, cool. Well, as a director, I like to put my my take on movies to leave my thumbprint. I want my movie to have my view. And if I'm essentially just being told to point the camera where Marvel is telling me to point it, I don't want to do that. So she stepped back from the project. Coincidentally, Thor The Dark World is probably the weakest MCU film. It is my least favorite. So that says a lot. Whereas with Wonder Woman, you can tell watching it, this is not a movie that's like, we have to make sure we put Wonder Woman in a certain position before the Justice League movie. It's just, we're going to tell the origin story of Wonder Woman and we're telling it the way Patty Jenkins wants us to see it. It's so successful, so exciting, great at the box office, that (laughs) there's supposed to be a sequel coming out at some point. Wonder Woman 1984. As of me recording this, it was supposed to be out a month and a half ago. But obviously with the current climate, we don't know. It's supposed to be scheduled for October now. We may get it, we may not. But even watching the trailer for Wonder Woman 1984, again, it looks great. It's really honing in on the 80s motif. It's being incorporated into it. Gal Gadot looks great as ever as Wonder Woman. It feels like the sequel to Wonder Woman while at the same time adding a whole lot of new stuff to it. And I'm very, very, very excited to one day see it. So if you're looking for superhero movies and you're going, gosh, look, you see all these superheroes that are just sidekicks. When are they going to get their own movie? Well, one does exist. It's called Wonder Woman. It's the best of the bunch, in my opinion. It's definitely worth looking into. Absolutely. Moving on from superhero movies into quite close next to it, the action genre. For the movie I picked for action, also could be applied for sci-fi, science fiction, and also horror. So there's quite a few elements here. And the movie I'm talking about now is Aliens, starring Sigourney Weaver as Ellen Ripley. Now, I could have picked the original Alien, which came before this in 1979, but watching the original Alien... It's not really starring anybody. Ripley is the final survivor of the Alien movie, essentially. But you watch it, and it's not necessarily her view, her take on everything. You don't get the feeling at the start that she's the star, mainly just that she's just the last one standing. Alien is really about the xenomorph just sneaking up on everybody and killing them. And it's a fantastic movie, great on horror and everything. I love it, but I hate it for many reasons that I've established in the past about my respect and fear for the horror film genre. For Aliens, which came out a few years later, directed by James Cameron, it took the horror motif of Alien, 
but threw it into a blender with action and science fiction. And what we got was Aliens, which is probably one of the great action movies of all time. And having watched it now, it's definitely one of my favorite. And a lot of that is due to Sigourney Weaver portraying Ripley. Basically, what Aliens is, is Ripley survives her encounter with the alien in the first Alien, meets up with humans, tells them about her experience, and basically, it's the most frightening alien creature of all time. Please, we I never, ever, ever want to see it again. And they go, okay, cool. I think we found a planet of them. You know about them. Can you come with us to help us kill them? She eventually is roped into it. And of course... If one alien caused so much drama in the first Alien movie, how do you think a whole bunch of them are? I'll tell you what, they're massacring everybody left, right, and center. Characters you meet are dead within 20 minutes. But the one constant is Ripley in the movie. She's grown so much from her first appearance. In the first one, she was scared, shrieking. She survived, but through sheer luck in certain cases. In Alien, she is tough as nails. She throws down with the aliens when she needs to. She knows what to do to survive. She's not above sacrificing jerks to save the good people. And it is through her leadership and her ingenuity that anybody is going to make it to the end of this movie in one piece. The poster alone for aliens. I don't know if it's the poster I end up using for this on YouTube, but it is, it is Sigourney Weaver as Ripley standing, holding the young character Newt in her arms, with a gun in the other hand, and she looks badass. She looks like she's going to waste an entire planet of aliens, which essentially is almost kind of what she does. Ripley is one of those powerful heroes in sci-fi culture as well. If you ask somebody to tell you about powerful figures in sci-fi, you get Luke Skywalker for Star Wars, you get Captain Kirk for Star Trek, and you also, among other things, get Ellen Ripley for the Alien franchise. Unlike the Predator movies, which sometimes share the screen with Alien, where you have different actors as the star in each one, for most of the Alien movies in the original run, it was Sigourney Weaver. She came back for another go with them, and each time she was more scarred, more broken, more horrified by these things, but she still managed to outwit them and kick their ass, whether it was through ingenious ends, through attempting to sacrifice her own life, through just being a badass, it'll just spit in their face because she's had enough of their crap. It's just great. Aliens is probably one of the best sequels of all time. As I said before, I like Aliens way more than I like Alien, but I think that's also a general consensus with a lot of people out there. But for all of the Alien movies, Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, the thing that brings us back for each new installment is seeing Sigourney Weaver take on Ripley again to play that role, to play that slowly growing evolution of her she's able to convey realistically how somebody who just starts out as a team member on a spaceship with no military experience or anything like that to the end of the point where she is single-handedly taking on an alien queen is just impressive i highly recommend aliens i think aliens is very good definitely check it out if you haven't seen it another great example for many genres moving on from that let's do what should we do next why don't we do a comedy Let's do a comedy. Comedies are always fun. And with this one, I'm pretty sure most people have seen this movie. It was on my poster of 100 movies you have to see before you die. So that's high praise in itself. But this comedy here, all female cast, it is Mean Girls. Everybody loves Mean Girls. Mean Girls is hilarious. Mean Girls is dark. Mean Girls is bizarre. And it's an instant classic from the moment it came out. 
Mean Girls stars Lindsay Lohan as Katie and Rachel McAdams as the infamous Regina George. And basically what the movie is, it's showing how damaging cliques in high school can be and how in high school it's all about the popularity and who goes where and what you have to do to survive in high school. Lindsay Lohan is Katie, Katie, however you pronounce it, has come newly to the school after living in the jungle, essentially, and she's hit in the face with just how crazy high school life is with the way structure is built and the monarchy of the students. And basically at the top is the Mean Girls led by Regina George, and it's her trying to survive them and then infiltrate them and then to stop herself from eventually becoming one of them. It's very funny. It is a lot of clever humor in here. I'm not sure if Tina Fey wrote the script for it, but I know Tina Fey had a huge hand in the creation of this movie. And Tina Fey and Amy Poehler at the moment, their combination comedy at the moment is great and popular in this day at the moment. And I think a lot of that originated from Mean Girls. They're very likable. Their humor is very silly and bizarre and on the nose and dark but infectious, which is why Mean Girls proved to be so popular. It was especially popular, obviously, for me, even though I didn't see it, but for people my age, a lot of people were talking about it because if you're growing up in high school and then you go and watch a movie like this, you immediately relate to the clubs, the packs, the gangs, everything that goes on in a school. We all know that depending on where you were in school, you were either really popular or you weren't or you were just somewhere in the middle. But depending where you were really influenced your time at school, essentially, especially in America. So while the subject matter is probably quite serious and definitely worth looking into, the world that these kids live in at school is bizarre. The principal is bizarre. The teachers are bizarre. The parents are non-existent. They're so not interested in their children's lives. And it is very funny. It's definitely one of my favorite comedies, having seen it now. And I highly recommend it. And I think a lot of it is due to the performances in here. Lindsay Lohan, great. Lindsay Lohan was really great back in the day. Rachel McAdams, great. She's really great these days now too. Amanda Seyfried made her first appearance in this film, her film, film debut. And she's gone on to great stuff too. Tina Fey. A whole bunch of actresses are in here, and they're all fantastic. It's very funny. It's hard to describe it to people. I know when I was told about this movie, I thought the movie was going to end at a certain point, and it just sort of kept going, and you don't really know what is going to happen at the end to wind it all up. I mean, people seem like the movie's finished, and then people get hit by buses. It's wild, absolutely wild, but it's very funny, and I recommend it wholeheartedly. It's a great example of comedy for this particular bunch of movies that I am referencing at the moment. Moving on, we'll pick now, what will we pick next? We'll pick historical biopic. That's a that's an obscure one, but that's worth looking into. And the film I'm going to pick for this one is Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures I watched a couple years ago, but I recently rewatched it and I've really rediscovered my love for it. And my need for everybody to see it. Because not as many people have seen it as I thought they would have. It was very big at the Oscars. It was a big deal at the time. And I heard a lot of discussion about it. But when I mention it now to people in my family, they have not heard of it. Or they they confuse it with another movie called The Help. 
So I really am using this as an opportunity now as well to really recommend Hidden Figures if you haven't seen it and point out how great it is. Hidden Figures is based on a true story set at NASA during the space race to get into space first, America wanted to, before Russia wanted to land on the moon first, wanted to conquer the stars essentially. It was very important that they get up there first. Now we all know about Neil Armstrong, John Glenn, Buzz Aldrin, all the people that are very famous, the astronauts that got into the spacecrafts and launched themselves into space. But who were the people on the ground that got them up into the space? Hard enough to name those people. But specifically, Hidden Figures focuses on three ladies of African-American descent as well, who are mathematicians, who are brought into NASA to help because they do have the skills that are required. They will be very valuable to the people there to help. But... From the moment they walk through those doors, they are immediately dismissed by the staff working there. There are only one or two people that genuinely say, you have something valuable to contribute. And they go through so much trying to prove that they have what it takes to really contribute to getting man on the moon. They show in a number of ways how to solve problems. They come up with smart solutions to things like that. But every time they do that, they're still stepped on. And there are even horrifying points which by today's standard is ludicrous but back in the day was considered acceptable that the toilets for a woman at nasa were not set in the same room as men especially an african-american woman some of the characters were required to walk halfway across the space station just so they could use the facilities because it was not allowed for them to use the facilities in the same room as the men working at nasa which from the moment I saw that happen the very first time in the movie, it's it's rage-inducing. I'm getting angry just remembering it now. And it comes to a point in a couple moments during the movie about how this is such a demeaning obstacle for these ladies. But what's important is that they never give up. They are never downtrodden. They never really want praise. They don't want to be stand up on a stage in front of a whole of America and say, I'm the one that put man on the moon. They just want basically what any other decent human being has, which is basic human rights. And they want to be appreciated and to be allowed to contribute. Even if they don't get the recognition, they just want to be told you are allowed to help us because you have the skills to do it. There are three, it's a tritagonist essentially. So there are three characters here. They're in different parts of NASA. They're each doing a different thing and the atmosphere and environments that they're working in are very similar in terms of racism and sexism but with varying results in terms of how they progress and what they do to overcome these challenges. It is very, very heartwarming to watch when they succeed and very, very upsetting and distressing when they fail. But overall, it is a positive story because through their actions and through their assistance with NASA were America essentially to win the space race to get in on the moon, which was great. So... There are quite a few biopics out there besides hidden figures involving women or involving African-American people that I would strongly recommend you check out to varying degrees of how you're going to feel. Sometimes you're going to feel good. Sometimes you're going to feel upset. In most cases, hopefully it will allow you to understand the struggles that a lot of people have gone through to get where they are in today's society. Things, they were worse. They're not essentially better, but it's good to watch these things and Open your mind, essentially. And I think Hidden Figures is a very good example, which, of course, being our main topic here, it also stars some lovely women in the main role. And 
their performances, their emotion they put into these characters. Fantastic. And finally, we're going to wrap it up with a look at a movie with a director, a woman director. Now, I could cheat and just go, hey, well, remember I mentioned Little Women and Greta Gerwig? I won't do that because I want to say that there are other movies out there directed by women that are worth looking into. And I could say Wonder Woman again, but we're not going to do that. Suffice it to say, though, I do want to say Little Women is a lovely, great movie, and a lot of it is due to Greta Gerwig's directions. Check it out. But no, I thought for this one, I'm going to pick The Hurt Locker, which you may or may not be familiar with. It came out in 2009. It's essentially about bomb disposal people in the Iraq war. So it's the people, the soldiers, who have to dress up in those big, giant bomb disposal outfits and attempt to disarm homemade bombs in the Iraq cities. Um, With these bombs, they're temperamental. They could go off at any time. Some are very complicated. But every time they go out there to defuse a bomb, it is a risk. And there's a 50% 50 chance they're going to die. Things are going to blow up in their faces. It's a very powerful movie. It's very rough, raw. I personally really enjoy watching it. It's very engaging. It's not a long movie. It's not a short movie. But you do realize when the movie is over, you go, oh, that was quick. Because you're just engaged in the tension of the bomb disposals. And the psyche of the main characters that are being put through these things, starring Jeremy Renner, Anthony Mackie, and Brian Garrity. But The Hurt Locker is directed by Catherine Bigelow. And I think it's her direction in here that's really made the movie so good because the way she's depicted the suspenseful moments for the bombs. There's not a lot to work with here. You just have these three main characters and it's basically three separate situations where they have to defuse bombs and how things go from there. So you don't spend too much time with them apart from that and then them having their little discussions. But she manages to make you feel for these characters in these very tight shots. It's very claustrophobic. She's always up in everybody's faces. There's a scene in the middle of the film where they're pinned down by a sniper And they have to stay somewhere for a very long time just essentially to wait each other out. And they're stuck in the sun and the sand and it's not great for everybody involved. But the camera stays stuck right up in their faces. doesn't take big long shots around them. So it's it's just uncomfortable. You feel trapped with them. There's like there's nowhere you can go. You can see the sweat pooling on their faces. They can't move or they'll get shot. And it's great stuff. And furthermore, with the actual bomb disposals, the camera is set up inside the bomb disposal units. So your main view is pressed right up against the guy's face as he's walking out there to get rid of the bomb. Very personal, very claustrophobic, and utterly powerful, which is great. A side note, a fun thing. This may be me being petty, but I think it's fun to point out. I think it's an interesting side bit. Most people remember Avatar. Avatar in 2009 starring... The Blue People, James Cameron's big, epic 3D masterpiece with Sam Worthington and Zoe Saldana. Now, what are we now? We're 11 years since that movie came out, and I think it's starting to be dated. It certainly doesn't have the same respect that I think it had when it first came out. I mean, we're supposed to get Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5 at some point, and it's at a point where no one really cares, but it seems like we're supposed to. Anyway, Avatar was the talk of the town, when that came out, people wouldn't shut up about it. I was told many times to go see it, and I did see it. 
and I thought it was very impressive with the 3D visuals. Avatar really made 3D its own. So going into the Academy Awards, the hot topic was that Avatar was just going to clean sweep, win all the awards, no one stood a chance against it. Avatar lost Best Picture to The Hurt Locker, and James Cameron lost Best Director to Catherine Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow won. Here's the fun fact. James Cameron and Catherine Bigelow are ex-husband and wife. So they essentially were up against each other in the ultimate battle to see who was doing better. And Catherine Bigelow stood on James Cameron's neck, essentially. And I think that's fun. I think that's a lovely little tidbit. I think it's great because of the looking back at the interviews with James Cameron and the way Avatar was approaching the Oscars. It it seemed like it was a slam dunk. They thought they were going to win, and in many ways they knew they were going to win. They were so confident that they'd made the perfect movie, and it was so great. It was top of the box office. It has no other movies have any chance. How great am I for making this movie? And this little movie called The Hurt Logger, directed by Catherine Bigelow, comes along and says, nah, it was good. According to the Academy, our movie's better. And looking back at those two movies, The Hurt Locker is better, in my opinion. All right, so there we go. We'll wrap it up there with those five movies. There are plenty more movies out there. I could sit here for all day and pick a bunch of movies and keep talking about how great they are. But suffice it to say, the rest of it is up to you. Watch the five movies I've recommended if you haven't seen them. If you're intrigued, have a look. It's very easy to find these movies. Go on Wikipedia for all I care. There's there's so many ways to do it. There's a lot of content out there. We aren't getting new movies, so go back and find some old ones. Starring women in the main role, women behind the camera. It's great content, great production, great movies, guaranteed great entertainment. And it's a tribute to how far we've come in the film world that this amount of content exists and that I can highlight these movies. But there's always further to go. We need better recognition of the Academy We need better representation, especially in the superhero era, in drama, comedy, action. We can always do more. So hopefully when movies start becoming a thing again, we'll get even more stuff. And a few years from now, I can highlight five more movies from the next three or four years, which are just fantastic stuff. But until then, thank you for tuning in and enjoyed this special 50th episode I once again just want to say thank you all. It's been a blast recording, been a blast speaking to you, been a blast hearing responses back. I hope that I'm still entertaining or I hope that I'm even just a little bit entertaining and I hope that you will continue on with me as we aim for our next goal of 100 episodes, which who knows, could be sooner rather than later. Hopefully movies are coming back and we'll get more episodes, more reviews, but until then, more countdowns are coming, more actor profiles more looks at the movies on the 100 movies bucket list there's plenty of stuff coming so don't worry i ain't gonna run out of content anytime soon but again i appreciate you all and i thank you once again you're all fantastic i love you great stuff until next week you've been spliced in later adios muchachos i'll catch you next time